0: chapter 15 verses 15 to sorry Matthew chapter 15 verses 21 to 28. It is titled The Faith of a Canaanite Woman. Leaving that place Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out Lord son of David have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment.
1: Oh, well, good morning. Uh, let's just pray as we come to this word. Heavenly Father, sometimes your word is challenging and difficult, and um, it, doesn't, it seems to go against the grain. And we find that this morning with this, uh, this passage about Jesus. So we just pray, Lord, you would uh, bring us to the truth, whatever that is. And we pray you would do it, Father, in a way that uh, we can understand, we can comprehend, and we can apply to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so, have i got my first slide up. So a rabbit walks into a bar and says, have you got any carrots? The barman says, no, we haven't got any carrots. You're a rabbit. Go, get out. The next day, the rabbit comes back into the bar. Have you got any carrots? "'No, I haven't got any carrots. This is a bar. I don't want you to see you in here again. Get out!' So the rabbit goes. The next day, the rabbit comes back in again. "'Have you got any carrots?' The barman goes, "'Look, if you come in here again, I'm going to get my piece of rope from behind here, I'm going to tie it around your neck and hang you up from this bar. Now get out!' So the rabbit goes. The next day, the rabbit comes back in looking a little bit uncertain and goes, "'Have you got any rope?' The barman goes, "'No!' He goes, "'Have you got any carrots?' See, there's something about uh, persisting uh, which draws our uh, admiration. We rightly admire and look up to people who persist dogmatically until something happens, until the right thing has come about, until what they want has been achieved. Doggy determination. And there's something about persisting that God values as well. Persisting in life, persisting in doing good, persisting in faith. And this morning, persisting in prayer as we shall see. It's a difficult reading today. A woman goes to Jesus with a need and seems to come face to face with a wall of prejudice. But hold fire, don't prejudge. I'm just going to read it to you again in the uh, New Living Translation, just a different translation, just to get it into our heads. It's called The Faith of a Gentile Woman. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him again, pleading with him, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was healed that instant. Well, before we jump into this, let's just look at the, a little bit of the background. This is the area up to the top left there in red, Tyre and Sidon, where this takes place. It's well, well away from the area that Jesus normally ministered in, in Galilee. It was outside Israel. In fact, it's what we today call Lebanon. That was the, that's where these cities are. And this, uh, that was, uh, um, the people in that area were Canaanites. The original inhabitants of the land were Canaanites, and this woman was a Canaanite. Uh, She was a Gentile, meaning a non-Jew, and a pagan. Pagans are people who worship not the creator God, but created things. So pagans today will worship the moon and the stars, or or the rivers uh, uh, and the mountains, and they see God in in that. They did awful things as well. They even sacrificed children. The lands around uh, Israel were into child sacrifice, as were Canaanites. So their practices were despicable to the Jews. Despicable to the Jews. They were also Israel's ancient enemies, the ones that they were fighting against quite a, most of the time. In contrast, the Jews were God's chosen people. So there was a lot of cultural, religious, and religious boundaries here. Uh, but as well as culture and race and religion, there was another, wo- another boundary, about the boundary of gender as well, because this was a woman approaching a male rabbi, also crossing a boundary. So there's boundaries here that are being crossed, of race, of gender, of religion. Now, in this country, we don't have a strong class system or a caste system, as some parts of the world do. So it's harder for us to get this crossing of cultural boundaries. Perhaps a modern-day equivalent might be. Let's say that um, the president of the, of the US, Joe Biden, was to come to the UK and drove into Manchester in a big motorcade with uh, outriders and uh, police uh, motorcyclists. And just as he steps out of his car, uh, a down and out, somebody who, who literally looks like a tramp lives on the streets, breaks through the police cordon and comes shouting to Joe Biden, says, help us, our services are so appalling in, the, in this town. The social services are terrible, even the public amenities, even the toilets are terrible. You think, well, that's not quite right, really. You may have a great point, but there are some kind of boundaries being broken here. That's not the, the way that you would approach who we, who we call the leader of the free world. So let's dive into this strange passage. And uh, as we do so, we'll look at three things. Her prayer, because her approach to Jesus, we can see as a prayer... Their prejudice and her persistence, okay? Her prayer, their prejudice and her persistence. Her petition, her approach to Jesus is a kind of a prayer. She's a foreigner. she She has a different religion. And yet, somehow, she recognizes Jesus and she uses his messianic titles. She says, Lord, son of David. Son of David, the Jewish Messiah. Son of David, have mercy on me, verse 22 acknowledgement in who he is which is striking from the lips of a gentile and a pagan secondly verse 25 she, she comes and kneels and says lord help me will you help me there's a cry of mercy from her helplessness and then thirdly this persistence verse 27 well even the dogs who eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table lord she won't give up she won't go away so we have this, uh, this kind of pattern of her prayer, the prayer of a foreigner. Son of David, help me. Acknowledgement of who he is. I know who you are, Son of David, Lord. Lord, help me. A cry for help. And then lastly, this thing, even the dogs get something. Persistence. Recognition of who God is. Asking for mercy and persisting in that. And it is a kind of a model prayer uh, for us even today, recognizing who God is, asking for mercy, persisting. But, and it's a massive but, isn't it? She suddenly hits this wall of prejudice. She finds herself crashing into these insults. Jesus and and the disciples, the response when we look at it is confusing. It's even worrying. In fact, I would say, if Matthew 15, verse 21 to 28, was the only part of the Bible that we had, we wouldn't think much of Jesus if that was all that we had. We wouldn't think much. But it isn't all that we have. And we need to dig around a little bit just to understand what's going on here. Let's look at Jesus' reply first. First of all, silence. He didn't say a word. Verse 23. Silence. Jesus didn't say a word. Secondly, the disciples say, Send her away. She's embarrassing us. She keeps shouting, this beggar, get rid of her, Jesus. We don't know whether they meant just get rid of her or well, you just sort her problem out and send her away. Could have been either. But they were embarrassed and annoyed. And then this put-down about dogs, which was, at the time, a common Jewish insult for Gentiles. A common Jewish insult was to regard them as dogs. Uh, lots of people now have tried to understand this passage. Why did Jesus say this? The thing, the the interpretation that makes most sense to me, most sense to me, is that Jesus was testing her, testing the culture, and actually doing it with some humour as well. He was testing her, testing the culture, and actually doing it with some humour. Now you might say, "Well, that's a bit far fetched." But just track with me a few minutes. What do I mean? How can I say that? Well, first of all, we do know things about Jesus from the rest of the Gospels, right? This isn't the only passage that we have. And we know as a fact that Jesus did cross boundaries. Time after time, Jesus broke boundaries. He got into trouble for crossing boundaries and breaking boundaries. More often than not, he broke them. He engaged with thieves, people who were, who were, who were hated, people who ripped people off by... Um, cheating them from of their taxes, he associated with prostitutes, people who were considered to be outcasts. He once stood up for a woman who apparently was who was caught in adultery, John chapter eight. The, the better title sometimes is the men caught in hypocrisy, but anyway, we still call it the woman who was caught in adultery. He associated with her, and. Uh, There's an occasion, for example, when a woman who's been hemorrhaging and bleeding for 12 years touches him. That renders him unclean. He should then go and do the ritual washing that a Jew needed to do, but he doesn't do that. Jesus often broke boundaries, cultural boundaries, gender boundaries, even boundaries of religion and race. So we know that. And even just before this passage, right before this passage, there's a little interaction that happens about people, about um, the, the people around him calling other people unclean, and we're just going to look at that. Okay, so these are the verses before uh, verse 21, immediately preceding this event. And it's, I'm going to read some verses from it, not the whole thing, but just before today's reading from verse one. It says, "Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked." Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Then from verse 10, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen, understand, what goes into someone's mouth doesn't defile them. What comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both fall into a pit. Peter said, explain this parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus answered. Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. This is what defiles a person, but eating with unwashed hands doesn't defile them. And then we had this passage, the, uh, the faith of the Canaanite woman. So right before this, Jesus is saying, it's not anything physical about a person that makes them unacceptable to God. It's what's in their heart. It's not what you've, whether you've washed your hands today or not. It's good to wash your hands, by the way. But that's not what makes you acceptable to God. It's what's in your heart. So in, this, in the build-up to this event, Jesus is getting angry about people's attitudes and hypocrisy. You must only eat this and not that. You must wash it in this way and not that. Otherwise, you're un- unacceptable to God. So we know that Jesus continually crossed boundaries of status, of religion, of gender, And we see him criticizing people, those around him, for judging people externally. Then, at that point, immediately we have this passage where Jesus appears to do exactly the same. A woman, a foreigner, a non-Jew comes to him. A non-Jew, a woman, a foreigner. Lots of boundaries. So Jesus tests the culture and tests the woman. He reflects the cultural view. He gives the view of the time awaits to see what the people around him will say and what she will say. He effectively says, you've come to me with no privileges, no rights. You have no rights here. It's harsh, but it's clear. You don't have any privileges. You're a Canaanite. You're a Gentile. You're a pagan. You're a woman. You're like a dog to the Jews. And in this world, in our culture, you have no rights. So on what basis are you approaching me? What do you say? On what basis do you approach me? What do you say? Or what do the disciples say? Well, they haven't really learned anything. So they say, send her away, get rid of her. But Jesus is making a point, underlining the fact that according to Jewish customs, which he's just been talking about, washing of hands, she should be, she would be regarded as unclean. Because he will go on to amaze his disciples by saying, even this unclean Gentile, pagan woman, has more faith than you and remember we only have the gist of this conversation of what could have been a longer almost playful conversation between jesus and this woman we don't see the twinkle in his eye as he gives her the common jewish insult don't you know this is this is what the world says about you and he doesn't and to see how she and others will react she reacts well the disciples less so she comes through with flying colors she comes back with a response every time that Jesus, that so much so that Jesus is amazed by her. And her response is just as tongue-in-cheek as Jesus teasing comment to her in the first place, just as witty, no less sharp, and actually very faithful, saying that from your table, I know I only need the crumbs from your table. That's all I need to heal my daughter. It's a statement of faith as well as wit, it's masterly, because she doesn't try to argue. She doesn't say, well, you shouldn't call us that. Why do you call us that? She just, she just takes, it, she takes it and goes one step further. She says, okay, in your Jewish culture, we are called dogs. But if I'm to be a dog, give me what's mine. Even the crumbs are enough. It's, a, it's almost a playful conversation. Uh, So, verse 26, you replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus says, woman, you've got great faith. Your request is granted. Her daughter was healed from that moment. Jesus rewards her faith and her answer. answer. Great is your faith, he says. He only says that twice, I think, in the Gospels. Uh, The the centurion, who's who's a Roman, is also a pagan, and this woman who's a pagan, uh, he rewards her persistence, believing, and um, not, not concerned with the limits around. She's not concerned with the limits around her or the culture that she's in. She's come to Jesus and she's persisting and she wants something. For, she wants the crumbs from the table because that's enough. She has more faith than those around her. And uh, remember, of course, the, uh, the use of cutting humor, the use of cutting humor is very context sensitive. It depends where you tell this. This, this we use this kind of humour. Even a rabbit walks into a bar. In lots of places in the world, that wouldn't be understood. Be like, well, why was there a rabbit in the bar? Do English pubs have rabbits now? And you would have to do some explaining of that, because it's cultural. We get it. Well, I hope you get it. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> so, lastly, then. The lessons from this passage, what what is the lesson for us? Well, I suppose one lesson could be, one lesson is, that uh, we also have no rights either. We also are the foreigner from from a different race, a different generation, a different world, a different country. Non-Jews, Gentiles, looking for crumbs from the table. We have no firstborn rights to sit at the table, and yet God invites us, and yet God invites you. And Matthew, in fact, is clearing the way in this passage for what will come later, which will be the revelation of the Messiah for all people from every land. But the main application for us to focus on today, the one I'd like us to focus on, is coming back to this matter of persistence, of persistence in prayer, of not letting go, of getting hold of Jesus and not letting go. In faith and in prayer, sometimes, sometimes, with God, in our approach to God, we feel so close, don't we? We feel we can just reach out and touch him in the middle of a a worship song, for example. When you're walking in the hills, for example, God can seem so close. But at other times, it, it, it really isn't easy. Sometimes we can feel that God is ignoring us. Verse 23, Jesus didn't say a word. Sometimes it feels like God isn't saying a word. God is always present with us. We pray, don't we? Lord, be with us. I pray that as well. But actually, he's always with us. So just often, we don't, we're not sensitive to his presence. We're not aware of his presence. God does hear prayer. And God values persistent, persistent prayer. There'll be more about persistent prayer later. You may know the parable of the, uh, of the, of the woman who goes to the judge, just demanding what's right for what she wants until the judge gives in. That's also about persisting in prayer. This woman's approach to Jesus, then, is an an analogy. It's like a metaphor for prayer, a simple metaphor for prayer. Sometimes we may seem to get little response. But perhaps, perhaps it's only when we come powerless before God, accepting our powerlessness and our need for him, it's only then that God is most able to respond. Sometimes God wants us to come powerless and knowing our absolute inability to do anything for ourselves, that helps him to respond. That He's most able to respond. So then lastly, um, this, let's just finish with this model of prayer here. It's a good model of prayer, very simple. Recognizing who God is, Lord, Messiah, Son of David. Asking for mercy, Lord help me, she said. Persisting in what we're asking for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, all of us, if we've been Christians for any time, Lord, have been in that place, Father, where sometimes it's hard to hear you, it's hard to see you, it's hard to get answers. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a faithful people and persist and hold on to you at those times when it's hardest. In Jesus' name, amen.